while you're standing, if you've got just another minute or two, a stand within you. Let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to finish the chapter out today. I'm going to focus in on one verse, First Peter chapter 1, and we're going to begin our reading in verse number 22. That'll be our text this morning, and uh, I love the book of Peter. We'll uh, go over what we've been talking about so far and then get into the message. And if you're in First Peter chapter 1, would you say amen? All right, sounds like a majority of you are, so we'll start our reading there in verse number 22. Peter says, uh, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you, and God, we can never come to you enough and say thank you for allowing us to be here. And God, I just pray that you would have your way this morning, continue to to move among us. And God, I pray that you would help those that are hurting this morning and and those that are listening that that would love to be here that can't. God, I just pray that you would give them a special blessing. Lord, please use me as your vessel. Help me to preach the word as you would have me to. Let your spirit move in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we're going through the, the book of First Peter, I guess that sometimes when I'm going through chapters, I try to just get as much as I can, and uh, occasionally it uh, seems like I'm trying to uh, put a, a fire hose's worth of information out of a garden hose sometime. Y'all ever feel like that? But this morning, we're going we're gonna to focus in on one verse, and that's verse number 22. And just to give you the background on First, first Peter again, remember when, when Peter's writing this it, it, in, in any book, not just Peter, but when you're reading any book of the Bible, I find it very important to understand who the audience is and that, that, uh, that, that he's writing to or that the, the author is writing to. And many times the Apostle Paul, he would write to individual churches such as the church at Ephesus or Thessalonica or, or various places. But Peter, he's, he's writing to a wider audience. He's writing to the, to the church at large and the church as a whole. And we understand that during this time that Peter's writing this letter, the church is starting to face persecution. Now, the, the persecution hasn't reached its, uh, its apex yet, and, and, but things are starting to sort of look bad for the church. And they're trying to meet, and they're trying to do what God has called them to do, which is to take the gospel into all the world. That's what the church is to do. Amen? That, that's our primary focus, is to take the gospel, uh, the word of God, into the entire world. And Peter is writing to a, a persecuted church. And he's talking about salvation. And we talked about that and how our uh, inheritance is incorruptible uh, two weeks ago. And last week we talked about holiness and how that, that God has called us to be a holy, separate people and, and that we're to uh, be different from the world. And, but in verse number 22 he says this. After the, the, the message of holiness, he says this. He says, seeing or in light of the fact that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. 
See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is a really simple concept this morning. This is not anything that requires a whole lot of setup or a whole lot of, of theological definitions. It's simply this. The message is this, that we have to love the brothers and sisters of Christ. We absolutely have to love one another. And this was so important in the early church and, and important today, but, but it was important then because all they had was each other at this point. These people had forsaken some of them, their livelihoods, some of them had forsaken their families, and, and they, had, they had struck out to follow God, and it was taking them to places that they never thought they would be and putting them in situations where they didn't always know what to do. And sometimes the only place that they had to turn, in fact, most of the time, was to turn to the brothers and sisters that they had as Christian brothers and sisters in the church. And it is so important for you and I today to love each other. Would you agree with me, that, that and I've said this before, that some people are easier to love than others? I mean, it's, it's just the fact of the matter. I won't get too deep into that. But, but, but what the Bible says is that it's actually love that is, that is uh, fervent. Love that, that is, it's, it's like a fire. The word fervent means that, that we're almost on fire loving one another. And he says the love of the brethren. And, and that is a Philadelphia love. That's what that is. That's in case you, anybody in here ever been to Philadelphia, I never have. Don't plan on going there. But that's the city of brotherly love. And that's what we are, are to do is to love each other with, with brotherly love. And, and in a church, I, I, you, you want me to give, tell you all a little secret this morning, what can destroy a church quicker than, than anything is if a church is not unified. If we're not, if we're not together in this thing, then there's a good chance that, that, that the devil can have his way and that God won't be honored and that we can't really accomplish a whole lot if we're not unified. Now, unification, I want to tell you this, doesn't mean that we all have to completely agree on everything. It doesn't mean that, that every little thing that, that I say, you have to say, well, that's right, because he said it. And every little thing that you say, I don't have to agree with, but we have to be unified under a certain uh, number of things. And one of those is that the only way to be saved and go to heaven is through the precious blood of Jesus. We have to be unified under that. Amen? Those are, there are certain things that we, we, can't, uh, uh, we can't back up on. But, but we see so many times... And it happens right here close to home where churches will become, uh, they'll become ununified. They'll get some kind of uh, what the Bible calls actually a, a, sh a schism. What that is is there's some kind of, there's some kind of thing in the church that's, that's causing a division. And, and when there's division in a church, people, you can't accomplish a whole lot. You can accomplish a little, but I don't think that you can, the church can fully live with its mission to God if, if, there's, if there's dissension in the church. Would you say amen to that? I was studying for the message this week, and, and uh, I, was, I was reading up on unity, and I found a newspaper article. And uh, I don't normally read newspaper articles from the, from the pulpit, but uh, th this was kind of funny. So I'm going to share something funny with y'all. Y'all like to laugh. I know Carrie would. She'll absolutely love this. And this is what the headline says. Now, just bear with me. I'm going to go through this newspaper article, and uh, we're going to talk about unity, okay? It, the, the, the headline reads this way. Church splits down the middle over issues regarding the piano bench. 
<laughs> now, that's foolish already, right? Y'all think this, this would never happen. It says this, 100 years of Christian fellowship, spiritual love, godly unity, and community growth ended last Tuesday. 100 years worth ended last Tuesday in a fit of congregational discord not to be rivaled in this century. The Holy Creek Baptist Church, now the Holy Creek, I love that, the Holy Creek Baptist Church was split down the middle like the tabernacle cloth that tore at the point of our Lord's crucifixion. It is said that one could hear that rip from a hundred miles away. Holy Creek Baptist was severed from the once stalwart cord of unity that bound them together. The fist of discord was pounded, has pounded an army of Christian soldiers into several disheveled and organized factions of estranged members. I don't know who wrote this, but they were very articulate, weren't they? And it goes on to say this, pay attention. The source of dissension in this once holy house of God is a piano bench, which still sits behind the 1923 Steinberg to the left of the pulpit. Landover Baptist members who have friends or relatives at Holy Creek Baptist say that that old piano bench has always been a source of hostility. Always. People should have seen this coming. That congregation was getting ready to break for the last ten years, some said. It is just a shame that it had to be over a piano bench. One outside pastor commented, However ridiculous it might sound, I'm sure the Lord is using this whole thing in some way that none of us can see or make any sense of at all or ever hope to comprehend. Let me stop right there. This pastor probably about lost his mind because what's about to happen is we're about to see uh, discord and, and there's some cases that God can work through things, but sometimes people are just being crazy and silly. Would you all say amen to that? Here we go. Here's, here's, the, here's the most present, most recent update. It says, at present, Holy Creek Congregation will be having four services a day. There has been an unspoken agreement mediated by Pastor Fred of the Landover Baptist Church. Each faction will have its own separate service with its own separate pastor. Since the head pastor is not speaking to the associate pastor, each will have their own service, which will be attended by factioned members. We are told that the services are far enough apart that neither group will come in contact with the other. An outside party will be moving the piano bench to different locations and appropriate positions between services so as to please both sides and avoid any further conflict that could result in violence. What's that silence all about? Because you're stunned, right? I mean, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, this has to be made up. There's no way that, that somebody could be so childish and so petty that a church would split into four separate churches with four separate services and four separate pastors over a piano bench. But yet, according to this, something like that happened at the Holy Creek Baptist Church. A hundred years of ministry, a hundred years of unity was, was just basically thrown down the drain simply because somebody, get this, 
couldn't get along with their brother or sister in Christ. Now, any of you that in, in this room today that have siblings, most a lot of you do, some of you don't, but if you've got a sibling, you understand that sometimes you squabble, right? Everybody knows what a squabble is. Sometimes you, you, you pick at each other, and, and, you know, and especially as little kids, right? If any of you have had little kids, I mean, they just constantly pick at each other. My kids, what they'll do is they'll fight over the middle space between them in the back seat. Anybody ever had that happen? And, and it, it doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't accomplish anything, but yet they do it just to be doing it. But they, at the end of the day, you know what? They get over it because they love each other. You and I as Christians, again, I'll repeat this because it's worth repeating. We will not always agree on everything. We're not always going to see eye to eye. And, and sometimes you're going to think I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm going to think you're wrong. But at the end of the day, get this. If we're both born again Christians, we need to get over it and become unified under the banner of the cross. And how can we do that? How can we, how can we do these things? I mean, sometimes it's hard. I understand that. But how do we love each other so that we can be pleasing to God? I'm going to read you a Bible verse, and I'm going to throw a lot of Scripture at you. So if you're a note-taker, be ready to write these Scriptures down. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14. John says this. He says, We know that we have passed from death unto life. He said, We know that we're saved because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Did you, did you understand what John said? Did you understand what the implication of that was? That one of the signs that you can know that, that you're born again, that God is dwelling in you, is because you just simply love people that, that you normally would not love unless something was different about you. That's what John is saying. As Christians, we have to love one another. It's absolutely imperative, and, and, and we're going to get to that. But, but how do we show somebody that we love them? Well, I want you to understand this. The first thing that we have to do before anything else right now, especially in the time that we live in, let me, let me tell you what kind of time we live in. We live in a time where there's division everywhere. I mean, you can't turn around unless you find somebody divided over something, right? It's like nobody can agree on things these days. And, and some of it is, is something that, that, that's major, and sometimes it's just little bitty, silly matters. But there's division everywhere you turn. If you don't believe me, just, just, just look around at the news. Look around at what's going on. Uh, read a newspaper article about a church that split over a piano bench. There's division and if there's one place that there shouldn't be division, it should be in the house of God. Amen? It should be right here. When, when we come into this church, and, and not just under this roof, but we as the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come together, whether we're free will Baptist, Southern Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, if you believe in grace through faith, we should be united for the cause of Christ. I know there's some things that I don't agree with with other denominations, but if they believe grace through faith, then, then I'm going to try to get along with them as best that I can. Amen? There's so much damage been done to our churches at large simply because people couldn't get along with one another. But I tell you what we need to do is the first thing that we need to do is we need to be building one another up. 
Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 24, calls us to exhort one another. We don't, we don't use the word exhort much in, in, our, in our modern terms. But I'm going to read you Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, he says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much more. What day is approaching? Well, I believe that's the coming of the Lord, don't you? And I believe that it's quickly approaching just by reading the Bible and reading through the book of Revelation and Matthew and and several other books that prophesy the coming of the Lord. I believe that it's coming. And even if it's not in the next five years or ten years or whatever, it's closer than it's ever been. And it may be coming for some people, even if it's not Jesus coming back, we may be departing by death. And so so much more as you see that day of the end of your life approaching what are we to do? We to, are to exhort one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to lift each other up. We're to strengthen one another. I, I've said this a lot, and, and I don't think I've said it in a while, is you have no idea what a kind word will do for somebody sometimes. You have no idea what just walking by somebody and, and telling them how nice they look. Now, don't lie, okay? That's not a license to lie. You shouldn't just walk, stand out there after church and say, you look nice, you look nice, you look nice, because then you're lying in church. Some, sometimes that ain't true. But you should, you should look for the positive in people and look for a way to lift people up and encourage each other. Amen? But, but, but the opposite of that, the, 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 just on the other end of the spectrum, is something that we're really good at and something that we like to do, and that's tear people down. Oh man, it's, it'll probably get quiet right here, but that's okay. That's fine. It, it, it's, it's a lot of times we like to gossip. Somebody say amen. Oh man. We, uh, oh me. I'll I tell you something. We were, uh, we were in our Wednesday night class upstairs. I have the people that's my age. And we were talking about sins that people struggle with. Uh, it was, it was uh, just about you know trying to get rid of sin and get rid of temptations. And uh, I guess I, I knew this, and, and don't, don't anybody get mad at me, please. But I, I understand what men struggle with a lot of times. I know that men, they, they struggle with a lot of things. Some men struggle with lust. Some men struggle with the, the love of money. Some men struggle with, with, you know, wanting to be on a power trip and, and all that. And, and there was about three or four women sitting in the room. And uh, I said, what do women struggle with? And I just asked it. It wasn't a loaded question or anything. And one of them popped up and they said, well, a lot of times we struggle with gossip. And I said, really? I had no idea. <laughs> but, you know, we laugh at that. But it's, it's sort of a serious matter. Right? And, and, and men, men, we gossip too. You ever, you ever gossiped about anybody, Daniel? I, I mean, I, you're just sitting right here. I'm, I'm not saying you're gossip or anything, but you're the first person I saw Sometimes it's real easy to tear people down. And we see somebody do something that we don't agree with, and it, and it may be a, an egregious error, it may be really bad, or it may be just something minor, and the first thing that we want to do is we want to go run and tell somebody about that. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll even put some camouflage on it and act like it's a prayer request. You ever done that? You ever been to anybody and say, well, 
man, we have got to pray for this person because they're cheating on their wife. We'll get to that in a minute. We do need to pray for them. But the first thing you need to do is you need to keep your mouth shut. Amen? If anything, you need to go to that person in particular and talk to them about it and, and help them. And sometimes exhortation, sometimes building somebody up, comes by going to them and confronting them about things and, and telling them that they're in error of the Word of God, not in error of your opinion or, or that they're in disagreeing with you. But if they're doing something biblically wrong, one way to build somebody up is to go to them and help them and show them how to overcome that and, and to lift them up. That's what we need to be doing. With exhortation, I just mentioned it, and it's sort of a good segue. We need to pray for people. We need to pray for each other. I mean, we, we really, really, really need each other's prayers. There's people that are, that are dealing with things this morning I don't know about. I had somebody walk up to me earlier, and, and they, were, they were telling me that their back was hurting. You know who you are? You're sitting here this morning, and, and they may be hurting real bad and suffering through service, but, but it's my responsibility as a pastor to pray for them. But it's your responsibility as their brother and sister in Christ to pray for them. You never know what people are dealing with. I'm going to give you some Bible on that, too. I'm not just, I'm not just making this up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, the Apostle Paul writing in the church in Thessalonica said, These four simple words brethren pray for us the apostle Paul had it going on if anybody was a great missionary if anybody was a great preacher if anybody had the power of God on them it was the apostle Paul I mean he was going into cities and seeing people one to Christ but yet he knew at the end of the day that some of those things would only be made possible if people would just pray for him if people would lift him up and call their name to God. Church, let me tell you this. If somebody asks you particular, particularly to pray for them, if somebody comes to you and says, pray for me, you had better do it. If somebody puts enough confidence in your relationship with God, and brings a specific need to you, and they say, this is what I'm dealing with. Remember, we don't go tell everybody, right? We, we don't go spread it around and, and post it on Facebook or anything like that. Well, you know what we do? We say, oh, I can pray for you now. And then you take it to your prayer closet and you take their petition to God. That's called a supplication, praying on the behalf of somebody else. And we, we simply pray for each other. It's so elementary. It's so simple. I mean, you would think that we would do that and we would get it. But so many times I think we fail to do that. Amen? I know some of you pray for me. Some of you tell me that you pray for me. And, and I'll tell you, I pray for you, but you don't just need to pray for the pastor. You need to pray for every single person at this church. I mean, you need to pray for the church as a whole, the, all the other Christians in Cookville. But let me tell you, you need to pray for those that are in your local body of Christ. Why? Because we need uh, unity. And that's the best way to show, one of the best ways to show brotherly love is simply by praying for somebody. What we like to pray, or we, we will be more willing to pray, I should say, when a prayer request is more personal to us. If somebody in your family 
You know, if maybe your child or your spouse or your parent or somebody like that, if, they, if they're sick or if they get some kind of dreaded disease like cancer or they have a heart attack or, or they're facing some kind of situation, we really get serious about prayer right then, don't we? And, and we really want everybody to pray. But, but I think in every single situation, if, if somebody in the church is hurting, we need to hurt with them. If somebody needs prayer, we need to be willing and, and ready to pray on their behalf. And, and no matter how small the need may seem, no matter what it is, pray for one another. And then lastly, just a quick third point, a third thing is 1 John chapter 3. Remember we read from 1 John earlier in 3.14, said that we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. I'll tell you what, a, a kind word goes a long way. Prayer goes even further than that, amen? But sometimes, sometimes it requires this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, But whoso hath this world's good, who, who, whichever one of you have anything, and see his brother have a need, and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Sometimes, more than anything, we've just got to physically get up and do something for somebody. What that may be is, is that may be, I want to tell you, the most sensitive nerve on a free will Baptist. Y'all want to see what the most sensitive nerve on a free will Baptist is? Is this one right here where you reach into your back pocket. Amen? Or, or some of you ladies, one of your most sensitive nerves is when you have to reach into your purse. Now, some of you like to do it, and I mean, you know, my wife's nerve's not that sensitive. But anyways, um, it, it's, sometimes it hurts to open up your wallet and to hand somebody some money or to, uh, or to take somebody something that they need or to, or to, you know, take them a meal. You know, a lot of times we're worried about people's pride. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings by giving them money. You know what? Forget about their feelings for a little while. Just meet their needs if you need to. Amen? I mean, some people need help. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you an example of, of, uh, of, of discord and, and all that. But, but I know a guy that uh, he, he doesn't have just a, a whole bunch of money. And uh, he had got a vehicle. And he, and he had this, this other vehicle basically left over. And uh, it was, now if any of you drive one of these, don't get offended. But it was just a, it was an old wore out Buick. But it only, it had less than 100,000 miles on it. And it, it had a few dings and dents in it. And, uh, and he really could have used the money from, that, from the sale of that vehicle. And uh, he, he said he prayed about it and he thought about it and, and he tried to figure out what the vehicle was worth and he came up with a dollar amount and all that. But he said something in, in the back of his mind kept telling him, you have got to give that vehicle to this couple, to these people. 
and this was an older couple, and, and they, don't, they didn't have hardly anything. I mean, you know, you've heard the old cliche, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. I think that's sort of what the situation that these people were in, and they needed a vehicle. And you know what the, the person that, that knew that could have done? He could have went in his prayer closet, and he could have got down on his knees, and he could have said, Lord, please, and, and, and we know that you own the cattle of a thousand hills, and we know that you're almighty and, and that you're in control of everything. Lord, if it be your will, would you please send them people a vehicle? And he could have walked up to that couple and, and took them by the hand and, and real precious looked them in the eye and said, I'm praying for you that God would help you and that God would do something for you. He could have done that, right? A lot of times that's what we do. And a lot of times that's what's necessary. Sometimes there are things that we're not able to do. But the best thing that he could have done in that situation is he took the keys to that Buick and he walked over and he handed it to that couple, signed the title over to them, and, and get, just gave them the car, no, no strings attached. I'm not doing that to toot his horn. He don't need his horn tooted, I'm, I'm telling you. But what, what he, the reason he did that it's because he knew that there was a need and those people in order to lift them up, in order to help them, in order to show unity in the body of Christ as he was willing to meet a need that day in that particular context and gave it, gave it unreservedly. He didn't expect that God would pay his new vehicle off. It were not new vehicle, but his vehicle off. He didn't expect God to send him anything in return. He just knew that there were some people that needed some love. And that the best way to do it was not to show it in, in, in tongue or in, in word, but in deed and in truth. We've got, to, we've got to, as brothers and sisters, love each other and help each other. I believe most of you would agree with the statement that, that at this church, we're very fortunate and we're very well blessed here. Amen? I mean, uh, uh, I'm not saying that, that everybody is, is, is just, you know, that we just got money running out of our ears. But what I'm saying is, is that God's taking care of a lot of people and taking care of a lot of needs in this church. But sometimes God expects us to help one another. God definitely expects us to pray for each other. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes our prayers sound more like complaints to God than they do anything else. But our duty is to pray for each other, to lift each other up, to encourage one another at every single opportunity that we get. I want to I want to point out a word real quick that that I didn't that I didn't point out earlier that I think is very important to this verse. If, you, if you're still there, that's fine. If not, I'll read it to you. It says, seeing that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto, here's the word, unfeigned love. I'm not, I'm not real familiar with the word unfeigned, so I, I looked it up and, and feigned, to feign something. I kind of got that. means to pretend or be a counterfeit, fictitious, or perhaps even a fake. What he's saying is that we're to love the brethren. We're not to fake it. We're not to just act like it. We're to tr truly 
wholeheartedly and fervently love one another. I mean, I, I'll just say that, that sometimes we're, we're good at, at just painting on a smile and, and just, you know, acting like, like somebody. Or acting, you know, a lot. Of, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. There's not more actors called out of church because we're good at acting sometimes. Amen. Oh me, you know, whatever. It's okay. But he says to unfeigned love. You think, well, well, I can't love that person because, and then you start naming off some things. Well, you know, they're this, this, and this. Or they, they do this, and I don't like that. Or, or way back in 1975, they offended me. That's, that happens in churches too, amen? If, if you can't love somebody, the problem's probably not with them. It's probably with you. It means that, that there's probably a place in your heart that, that God is, is not welcome, and that you're harboring something and that you're holding on to something that you shouldn't be, and you need to get your heart right with God. You know, the, before you, I mean, it, it's, it's like a perpetual cycle. I want you to understand this, that you can't truly love this way, which is towards God, okay? You can't love uh, vertically. I've heard it put like that, unless you love horizontally. Right? I mean, we, we prove that with, with 1 John chapter 3. I mean, we know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. I mean, we love God because we love people. But the thing is, is a lot of times we can't get our heart right with people. We can't get our relationships right this way until we get our relationship right that way. I mean, that's just, that's just the fact of the matter. That's the truth this morning from the Word of God. We're to love, we're to love each other. There's a lot of people easy to love. I, I sit here and see Miss Vivian. I love her. How many of y'all love Miss Vivian? I mean, I love Miss Vivian. I, I love people, but I'm not going to tell you who in this church it's harder to love because that would be bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I need to have my heart right at all times, not just because I'm the pastor, not just because, because of this and that, but it's simply because that I'm saved. Simply because I'm a part of the family of God that we sung with, sung about earlier. Because, because when I hurt, you hurt. And when you hurt, I hurt. I pray that you take this verse to heart. And that we've really focused in on this one verse. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we're so grateful for your word this morning. God, I'm, I'm so thankful, Lord, that, that you have put me in a place where there are so many good people, so many loving people. And God, I just pray that you would help me to show the love that I am to show. And Lord, that you would help each individual in this church, in, in this particular body of, uh, part of the body of Christ, that you would help us to love each other. And Lord, if there's, if there's anything between anybody in this church this morning, God, I pray that you would deal with that this morning. Lord, that, that you would call people to repentance and bring things to their mind, that, that Lord, and identify things that, that are not pleasing you so that they can get their relationship right with their brothers and sisters and get a right relationship with you. Lord, I believe that your work sometimes is hindered 
because of these things. And sometimes our heart is, is not in the right place. And it's not necessarily because we, we don't love you, but it's because we don't love the brethren. God, I pray that you would move, you would have your way in this service. We praise you and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this morning.